Edmonton is now in a stater tot of local emergency. This week, COVIDs, get your COVIDs here. We'll update you on everything you wanted to know about the coronavirus and a selection of other things we'll tell you anyway. Plus, roadway construction is going forward and summer festivals might not. Hi, I'm Troy. I'm Matt. And we're Speaking Municipally. Welcome back to Speak Municipally, episode 78, where we're in the new normal of just staring at our screens instead of being in a room together podcasting. Physically distancing. Yes. Uh, Not socially distancing. That's a key thing that was updated in our uh, health report today. That word is so last week. Come on. Stop trying to make social distancing happen. Social distancing is so not going to happen. (laughs) On to the rapid fire segment. Statues of Bob and Doug McKenzie, the famous SCTV characters, were quietly unveiled in Ice District this week. The iconic pair will be permanently perched on a bench on 103rd Street and 103rd Avenue with their beers, toques, and jeans. While many have celebrated their appearance as a welcome distraction during the pandemic, a local business group commented, this is what you get when the city designs benches that you can just lounge around on. Some may call it inhospitable design, but I call it keeping a pair of drunk ruffians from setting up permanent camp right outside our places of business. An Edmonton police detective is warning that romance scams are on the rise in the new, lonely coronavirus reality. Fraudsters use the global pandemic as a method of developing empathy and connection, and then use that connection to scam you out of your hard-earned cash. Remember, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And if you get a Facebook message request from someone who says they are incredibly interested in municipal politics and find your insights valuable, it's time to call the credit bureaus and lock it down. You're being targeted. A panel of post-media hockey fans have dubbed Leon Dreisaitl the NHL's MVP by a landslide. The designation comes amid the coronavirus pandemic, in which literally everything has shut down, and post-media columnists and writers were left without a viable audience to add page views to their rants about how poor people should just beg CEO for janitor jobs instead of begging the government for welfare. Stuck in this purgatory and with the NHL on hiatus, leaving them nothing at all to do, they did the most human thing possible, argue about things that don't matter on the internet. Speaking Municipally is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. And this week, we want to tell you about the ECF, which produces the Well-Endowed Podcast. It's hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink and produced by Lisa Pruden. It explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds, and the podcast tells the stories of how these endowments intersect with the community. They're still producing podcast episodes, and episode 67 is all about the Piazza Project in Macaulay. You can subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com. So, we're back for another week. Um, I wanted to crawl up into a coronavirus hole and (laughs) isolate myself and quit everything. You said, we're going to keep on going. So lo and behold, we are here and we're doing the podcast remotely. And so first did Edmonton City Council. They had a remote council meeting today. Right. They called an emergency advisory committee meeting today, which is pretty much the only thing they can do at the moment, considering we are in a state of local emergency, which we'll get to. But I tuned in because I wanted to hear what they had to say and see uh, what the latest update on the pandemic was going to be about. And I normally, when I listen to council, I just listen to the audio in the background. And I did do that for the majority of today. But I first went onto the video stream 
and saw a desktop with Google Hangouts and a whole bunch of the counselors, because, of course, many of them are socially distancing, physically distancing, and are working from home, including the mayor, who has some symptoms, actually, of, uh, of COVID-19, was feeling under the weather. And I thought that was pretty interesting. I took a screenshot of this uh, this vir- virtual setup where you've got all the little thumbnails and everybody's uh, able to, to speak to and see one another. Uh, and then you tweeted in response to that screenshot that I posted. Yeah, so I've long lamented that Calgary has a better city council video setup than we do. Like they have the agenda item that's currently being discussed on the lower third of the screen. In Calgary, you actually have to stand up to speak for your five minutes in city council. Which is super smart. I'd say it reduces the length of the meeting, but then I think about the secondary suite issues in Calgary where they're (laughs) there till 3 a.m. Notwithstanding how Calgary does secondary suites calgary has like a cool video setup where it has video switchers and you can get a camera on each counselor as they're speaking it really makes it feel like a c-span broadcast which not to say it's interesting but more interesting than what we have right today it wasn't that but having a hangout meets where the active speaker goes into the largest portion of the screen and then there's thumbnails of the other panelists on the uh right-hand side. It was pretty cool. Better than what we normally have. Yeah. In a normal meeting, you like you say, you can't see the counselors, right? So you just get a like a wide shot of City Hall and you can't actually see, you know, facial expressions or any of that. And, and this time you could actually see that because as you say, they've got little thumbnails. So I thought that was pretty cool as well. But I thought you were against video at City Hall. I think public participation at City Hall should be illegal. I don't think anyone should be able to go and speak at city council. I think it's a ridiculous proposition and I think it devalues phones, calls, and emails. However, Andrew Knack previously had said, let's keep everything the same where city council meets and also allow citizens to call in, which would only lead to more citizens calling in about crap that doesn't matter and not having research and nuanced positions. That barrier to entry helped keep people from sort of frivolously participating. However, I don't think all the counselors need to be in the room. At the very least, if this gets us a better video format, if counselors are more able to uh, work better from home, let them do that. If this was the setup where it was a video conference, maybe that is a way that we can integrate uh, video calls into council and have this asynchronous meeting. Maybe you could submit clips that are then played uh, on the council meeting. There's a lot of possibility, but before council was pretty regimented in, we need to stick to the old ways because we pray to the uh, Robert's rule of order gods and we need them to bless our presence with a city council meeting in person. I think maybe this emergency is going to force a bit of technology down Edmonton city council's throat. And I suspect a lot of them, a lot of them are wearing blazers, but how many of them wearing pants? I'm going to say maybe <laughs> five, 10% tops. Once you go from the I'm not wearing pants at work, it's very hard to go back, speaking from personal experience. Yeah, this is a big question for everybody who's working from home these days. Like, are you really wanting to, wanting to go back to your commute? I guess I guess we'll see. All right, so your position is now clear. You're cool for counselors to call in. We don't want the public to call in, which is something that uh, Andrew Knack, Councillor Knack, has been pushing for for over almost five years now, four years now. So this is a step toward that, I guess. I could get the public participating if that involved an overhaul of all our council processes. One of the big complaints is just you have to sit in the room all day because you never know when your agenda item is going to right. come up. Right. We'll fix your agenda management. Don't use the band-aid of, well, we'll just call so that the person only wastes 
X number of hours instead. I'm okay with fixing problems. Uh, I'm not okay with Band-Aid solutions as much. Gotcha. But I think we need to move on first to the big item of this week, which is the state of emergency. Um, You mentioned it off the top. It was re-declared and... I guess declared a first time since we last recorded. Yeah, so we recorded on Thursday. Our episode came out Friday at noon, as it always does. And later that afternoon, late Friday afternoon, probably early evening, I guess, technically, they voted unanimously to declare a state of local emergency. The rationale was that it would expedite decision making and ensure that operational decisions could be prioritized, centralized, and coordinated. So um, when they, when when city council declared the state of emergency, at least twenty five other local states of emergency had already been declared in Alberta. And uh, and just before that, actually, the provincial government had updated its um, local emergency uh, management act uh, with an amendment to basically allow these local and provincial states of emergencies to exist at the same time. And they might have to update it again, actually, um, (laughs) for reasons we can discuss later. Um, But they did declare the state of local emergency for Edmonton. It's the first time in Edmonton's history that we've declared uh, a state of local emergency. It gives us a bunch of different powers. We touched on this briefly in the last episode. You know, it allows them to borrow money without the usual governance that goes around that. Um, but it also gives some additional powers that the province would be able to assume normally in, in, in an emergency within the city of Edmonton. And so a couple of them that are in particular quite interesting, the city can enter buildings without warrant for emergency purposes. They can control travel to, from, and within Edmonton, and they can do things like put the emergency plan into operation, which you would expect to do. So the rationale on Friday when they did this was that, you know, the pandemic had moved on. We wanted to set up the Edmonton Expo Center as a facility for um, people who are experiencing homelessness, both as a drop-in location and also a place for them to self-isolate if they were experiencing symptoms. Um, and the, the uh, administration's ra- rationale was that declaring the state of local emergency would help us do that. So that was a pretty interesting discussion uh, on Friday afternoon. We talked a lot about the state of emergency powers last episode in the context of like what is actually reasonable to be used we want some budgetary powers that sort of thing we didn't really touch much on the idea of the police state of it all you know curfews entering buildings without uh, permission because i don't think either of us really thought those were powers likely to be used but i think it is worth mentioning that yeah those powers exist and really don't even need council approval because Essentially, there's an emergency management manager, which is Adam Lachlan, the acting city manager right now. And he basically has unilateral authority to just deal with the emergency as he sees fit. Uh, It came up today at the emergency management committee where he was getting council's feedback on ideas. And Mayor Iveson said pretty explicitly, I very much appreciate that uh, Adam Lachlan is coming back to us for our feedback. But he does have the delegated authority to do all of this without asking, which is a little bit scary, I think. Right. So last week, Councillor Henderson really led the charge on that. He was very concerned about giving this much power over to administration. He talked about it quite emotionally, actually, trying to to get across the gravity of the decision that they were making. And and most of the other councillors 
you know, chimed in and responded and said, thank you for your comments, Councillor Henderson. Like they all agreed this is a very serious thing. You know, today, I think you could, Councillor Zadok in particular was sort of struggling with this idea that uh, the recommendation was we're, from the city is we should close all personal services businesses. So hair salons and tattoo parlors and things like that. Body rubs. Body rubs. Like you said, they were just informing council about this. They didn't actually need any kind of approval. And and, and that's a different position than counselors are normally in. And so they weren't quite, you know, getting there. <laughs> a lot of their comments and questions were still about like as if they were about to make the decision themselves, when really the only thing they could vote on today was whether or not they should continue the state of local emergency, which, as you said, they did. And I mean, in fairness to them, if they voted not to continue the state of the emergency, that would be a no vote to all these powers because administration right. would then lose them. Um, but in addition to the other powers... Um, I find it interesting that you say that this is different than how the city normally operates because cynically I would say maybe <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Fair enough. I was being charitable there. Yeah. They changed the schedule. Uh, the emergency state of local emergency was declared last Friday and they renewed it six days later instead of seven days later because a lot of other municipalities have been doing this Thursday renewal that gives you time before the weekend so you can fix things on friday after you've renewed them or deal with new upcoming issues also convenient for us who um records on thursday so we get the news a little bit before it's outdated right so council will now meet every thursday at 1 30 until they choose to end the um state of local emergency and specifically that is the emergency advisory committee that will meet okay so now that council is in this state of local emergency they're focusing exclusively on the local emergency and no one is say campaigning for mayor right that sounds about right yeah <laughs> <laughs> so last week i thought it was a nice little change of pace Councillor mike nickel took a take that I didn't really expect from him, but he tweeted on March 21st, my full support is to the premier, our mayor, and my colleagues and all of our frontline workers. I will continue to provide leadership and assistance in any way. It's very much, I'm not talking. I'm letting other people talk, take the lead. This is not a time for politics. This is a time for the emergency situation and let's get this handled. And I'm like, okay, cool. Mike, he, that's a that's a great position to take. And he left it there, right? <laughs> so today, uh, he both tweeted and posted on Facebook, quote, Remember when times were good in Edmonton? Like when we built a funicular or the pie-in-the-sky idea for a gondola or the current ballooning budget for West LRT expansion. And then he did a train emoji, dollar sign 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 emoji. <laughs> How about right now? Are you pleased council recently voted for 40 kilometer roadways? Open parentheses, I voted against it. It seems like our city has no real vision or priority on what matters. And then he goes on to campaign, concluding with, well, Edmontonians are fed up. I'm fed up. And then he announces a live stream where Edmontonians can have their voice heard. And he's calling it, quote, Edmonton 2.0. <laughs> wow. That's a change in, what was it, a week? I better screenshot that post because, you know. <laughs> that's one post that's not like to, to stay once the blowback comes at him. But it's especially tone deaf because on the federal political scene, Peter McKay is going on and on about the leadership race and wanting the CPC leadership race to continue. And he's getting a lot of public blowback for that. And Mike Nickel 
true to form is following on poor campaigning in a way that might cause him to lose a campaign with just really hammering down this Edmonton 2.0 right now. It's not a good look, Mike Nickel. I would uh, also just add that he's not the only one, although not not nearly as antagonistic as his comments. Other counselors have uh, have also kind of done this. So it was interesting when they did talk about uh, declaring the state of local emergency last week and they were meeting to discuss what was happening with COVID. All of the counselors were were kind of concerned about communication. You know, we talked about this, I think, that they wanted to retweet you know, the official mayor's account or or the uh, official city of Edmonton account. And they wanted to know that that kind of communication was going to get out there. Now you've got Mike Nickel with this Facebook post and this live stream. Councillor Hamilton posted a blog post about COVID-19 over the weekend. Michael Walters brought that up today during the meeting. So um, it didn't take long for them to get back to, wait a minute, I need to have my own message out there. We're expecting people not to get bored uh, sitting in social isolation for three, four weeks. Five days was all it took city council to get bored. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of let's get out here and end this social distancing, physical distancing, um, going for a walk. That's a good way to do it. It is a great way to do it. And uh, some people have had questions about this. Like, is it safe to go for a walk? And Dr. Dina Hinshaw specifically addressed this um, last week and said, that it is perfectly safe to go outside. This is not an airborne illness. As long as you stay six feet away, two meters away from other people, going outside and getting some fresh air and going for a walk is good for your mental health. Um, So that seemed to solve that problem. Then on the weekend, we had a whole bunch of people doing just that. And Terwilliger Dog Park filled up. There was people posting pictures of uh, some of the stairs on the trails and in the River Valley. They were full of people, clearly not staying Um, six feet apart. And what I thought was particularly interesting about that is how quickly Mayor Iveson and Councillor Paquette started saying, wait a minute, we do have powers now to do something about this. So Iveson said, if we don't get a hold of this thing and fast, more drastic distancing orders could come down. And Councillor Paquette said, the next step, of course, is more strict control, maybe curfews, maybe even closures, but we don't want to go there if we don't have to. Hey, that's a little bit ominous to say Mm. we might implement curfews but we don't want to that's a lot not to defend the glenora stairwalkers because i do river valley stairs that's one of the things i've been doing to keep active yeah but i just jump on my bike if someone's on the stairs i bike a minute and a half to the next set of stairs there's so many stairs it's very easy to spread out however there is no signage anywhere there is no clarity of what people are supposed to do here so many people think it's not okay to be outside and then when we finally get advisement that it is okay to be outside great everyone's doing it but this advice is coming at odds from the prime minister who's saying by all accounts always stay home don't go anywhere stay in your house this mixed messaging is really it can be really confusing knowing just what is okay to do And I think that's where it falls on the city a little bit. Glenora stairs should have a sign saying don't be six feet within each other like that. That should be a no brainer. And the fact that there's still not a sign there after the mayor tweeted about it, I think is an indictment on the city more than the population. I think that's a good point that they have a role to play. I would say, to be fair to the city, this is a pretty quickly evolving situation and they have lots of things on their plate right now. And so I imagine one specific sign isn't near the top of the priority list. But your point is well taken that there's a role for them to play. And this, by all accounts, seems like it's going to go on for some time. So the sooner we get 
those types of signs and, and other educational information things up, the better. All right, we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about what might happen if this does go on for a while, because Edmonton's the festival city and our summer festivals are usually pretty huge. And those are maybe in jeopardy. Obviously, most events have been canceled. Um, your social calendar cleared right up. <laughs> and uh, and event organizers are also kind of struggling with some of the same challenges that, you know, businesses like restaurants and others have been struggling with trying to figure out what this means for them. So it just caught my eye this week that there was a, a bunch of different stories all about this topic. Um, the Journal and CBC uh, both talking to festival organizers and also a statement from Northlands. So first, as you might expect, Taste of Edmonton, the Jazz Festival, even Folk Fest, which is as far away as August. You know, the organizers are saying, we're not sure if we're going to be able to go ahead with our event. We are planning contingencies. We're not really sure. Um, and then I thought it was interesting that Northland said, nope, K-Days is still going. We hope to see you this July. So please take care of yourselves and one another. There is no way K-Days happens in July. I don't think so. It's a very peculiar stance for them to take, given that everybody else is at least hedging. They're at least saying, we're going ahead with our planning. We think there's enough time, but we will take our guidance from the, you know, the public health authorities and we'll make the decisions when we get a little bit closer. We literally closed playgrounds this week because we can't have people touching the same metal equipment. So let's just strap everyone into our roller coaster. And I mean, I get it. Maybe the virus doesn't fare as well in the summer and maybe we'll have developed treatment and flattening the curve. I still don't see any way as soon as July that this happens. Um, and even if we're at a place by July that this might be able to happen, the months leading up to it require planning and the uncertainty getting up to there. I can't imagine it's fiscally prudent to say we're going ahead with this. Right. I mean, Terry Wickham, who's the longtime organizer of the Folk Fest, said, you know, 63 of their 66 artists have already been confirmed and they've been planning for a long time. And they're now at the point where they need to commit to contracts. So, you know, you've got to come up with alternatives if you don't even think it's possible to go ahead. Uh, it doesn't seem prudent, as you say, to keep going kind of with blinders on, which is what it seems like K-Days is doing. Uh, and there were also some sporting events that potentially were on the chopping block as well. I'm sure we will see articles in the future about the economic impact of not having the playoffs when, you know, it seemed pretty certain that the Oilers were going to be in there this year. Um, but there's some other major events that Edmonton uh, has won in the past years to be the host city for. So the Triathlon World Series Grand Final and World Championships, which I believe we've hosted before. That was supposed to be in August. Um, and then also the Volleyball Super Nationals were supposed to be in May. Not familiar with that one, but Terry Jones and the Edmonton Sun said that that's a combined 14,000 athletes and an additional 24,500 24, coaches, officials, and spectators. So, you know, that's a sizable number of people that would have come to Edmonton and spent money here in the in the city that now won't be. Um, and the reason that these events in part are not going ahead is because, of course, the Olympics have been postponed for another year. Which I think is Canada's fault. Yeah, it is. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Canada was the first one to bail. We were the first country to stand up and say, look, there's no way this can happen this year. You need to pull the plug. And after Canada did it, uh, a bunch of other countries followed suit. So own the podium. So we're losing all of these sporting events. But one thing that we're not losing, because it is Edmonton and our summers are synonymous with one thing, 
It's not festivals. It's construction. Right. And we're not going to lose our construction on Jasper Ave. I tried really hard, Troy, to find you a story this week that wasn't entirely about COVID. And uh, the one that caught my eye was about Jasper Avenues, the New Visions Project. And uh, basically, the journal is reporting that although the public engagement events were all canceled and there were supposed to be a couple of more opportunities for, for public input on this project, the city's not stopping. They're going to continue going forward with this project. And I think this came up at... Uh, committee as well, that they're going to keep going ahead with construction. So Jasper Avenue is getting wider sidewalks and better street infrastructure, at least two parts of Jasper Avenue, and that's still going ahead. There's not a lot of details about exactly which parts of Jasper Ave are going to get rehab when, and this project's slated to take almost three years. The critical details that were came out this week were more, we're going ahead with this. Um, And I thought that was really fascinating because in emergency management today, there were some questions from counselors about, hey, now that everyone's staying home more often, we're getting a lot of complaints about construction in the late hours of the night, early hours of the morning, and noise that may violate our bylaws. And what can we do about that? And there was some back and forth. But then Adam Lachlan got up onto the podium and he said, I just want to caution you That construction is basically the last vestige of our economy that's unaffected by this. And we really don't want to be halting construction. It wasn't even hinting around the issue. It was basically saying there are some ways in which we might want to push and bend the rules of our bylaw enforcement to support this one industry that we still have going. So construction seems to be high on the priority list. Right. And we know that the Valley Line is continuing to go ahead. Uh, Construction on that has not stopped. And it would seem like this is a good time to be doing some of these construction projects when the streets are emptier than they would normally be. Of course, I guess we should point out that we're really talking about public construction here because all the public hearings have been canceled or postponed. And so approval of rezonings and things like that is all held up. So private development is kind of on hold, at least the ones that need approval, but public construction full steam ahead. And I do wonder, perhaps the podcast is not the place to speculate, but sounding board for you, I've been long wanting to uh, fix the bathroom in my basement. Is now the time to do it? Labor's cheap, but my contractor might have coronavirus, which is the right choice. <laughs> uh, I'm not uh, in a position to give health advice, Troy. I will defer you to Dr. Dina Hinshaw. <laughs> Last piece we'll cover is I have some health advice for Edmontonians, and that's don't go on a road, you'll die. And specifically this week, you're more likely to because speeding has gone through the roof. Oh, man, I don't get this. I, I know I should because it's Edmonton, but at the committee meeting today, You know, the counselors were asking questions about things that they've heard from constituents, emails they've gotten, and a bunch of them mentioned that citizens have been writing to them complaining about getting photo radar tickets or asking the city not to be enforcing speeding right now because we're in the middle of a pandemic, because that makes sense. In fairness to the counselors, they were repeating concerns of their constituents, which... There is no barrier entry to be that. But yeah, uh, we also saw that the Vision Zero team at Edmonton tweeted out that while traffic volumes have decreased by almost 30%, we saw a 30% increase of people speeding more than 20 kmh over the speed limit. Uh, So speeds have drastically risen this week. And in response, city council has said they're going to continue enforcement, just 
carefully because coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, just because there's a pandemic and the streets are a little bit emptier doesn't mean that all the rules go out the window and you can break the law. I mean, of course we should be enforcing speeding and of course you should not speed. And it's probably even worse to be speeding right now because if you do get people out walking around um, trying to do some of that uh, fresh air mental health stuff that Dr. Hinshaw has been recommending, um, you don't want to accidentally get hit by a car while you're trying to do that. Uh, It's bad enough that you have to deal with the coronavirus. So that just seemed crazy to me. I got to say, not that I'm enjoying this pandemic. I'm not. But some of the positives that have come out of it in basically, this is causing us to tear down our societal norms and really rethink how we do everything. So some of the things that it's causing us to rethink, like we mentioned already, these council meetings, sure. Bus fares and bus boarding. We had a rethink of that. But Now we're thinking, well, how do we use our public space and why are all these spaces being used by cars? So people are saying, I want to go for a walk. I have to keep two meters from people. Well, if the sidewalk is only 50 centimeters wide, that means if anyone's on the sidewalk, I'm going on the road and people are really spreading out. This is now specifically the most dangerous time uh, for speeding and intermixing. And Andrew Knack put it to a head where he said... Look, on our local roads, you have people crossing the street a lot to avoid people on sidewalks so they can follow Hinshaw's advice. Maybe we need to look at how we talk about jaywalking on our local roads. And oh boy, if we're putting jaywalking back on the table, that excites me in a way that not much has in the past (laughs) while. I say bring it on. I was really glad that he brought that up. I, I had a big smile on my face when he mentioned that as well. Going out and taking a walk, that's one way to keep healthy through this COVID-19 scenario. Another way is have some friends and put them in your ears. We're a member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. And we just wanted to talk about that, the podcast network, because with everything being canceled and you need to stay home, no need to make that more dreadful than it already is. Many of APN's podcasters have taken to the internet to distract themselves and amuse the rest of us. Uh, We've got a link in the latest Alberta Podcast Network newsletter, which you can subscribe to at albertapodcastnetwork.com. You can see all our recommendations. You can do listening i I don't know that's basically it you can see recommendations and do listening at them um but i promise you it's good listening to do and that's all for this week mac do you have anything else to close while we're trapped in our houses and i can't see you putting up a finger to stop me (laughs) i would just uh share that as i mentioned on the the show last week we've launched a covid19 microsite for taproot edmonton Our approach is a bit different than everybody else. We're not trying to be breaking news. We're trying to answer questions that our community has. We've had dozens of questions come in. We started answering a whole bunch of those. Keep them coming, and uh, we'll do our best to uh, satisfy your curiosity and provide you with trustable information that can help you understand what's happening in this COVID-19 pandemic in Edmonton. What was your favorite question that got asked, and what was the answer to it? Well, actually, the, the favorite one I had right away was about the, can I go for a walk? Like, that's just such a basic thing. And it just was like, yeah, I'm wondering about that, too. Like, this is really interesting to have to think about this right now. You know, you don't think twice about going out for a walk normally. So we already gave the answer on this episode. But so far, that has been my favorite because it's kind of the scariest, right? If you're wondering if you can go for a walk, um, it's pretty serious. Well, the one thing that's not scary is our sweet, succulent and comforting voices, which you'll get to hear next week. And until then, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we are... Speaking Speaking municipally. municipally.